Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike and we are excited to be with you today. We are in the middle of a series on deconstruction and exvangelicalism, and today we are going to answer what is probably an important thing to define, Mike, which is what is deconstruction and exvangelicalism? So there's only, I think, two episodes posted in this series. We've been wading into this, but we're going to kind of go really wide angle today and zoom out and just say, okay, before we go any further, what actually are we talking about? Uh, what is deconstruction? What is exvangelicalism? And then specifically, Mike, I think today, let's really try to let's really try to camp out on that first point, deconstructionism, and uh, just kind of ask the question: What is deconstructionism within Christianity? And really take a broad view. What do people say about it? How are people talking about it? And we'll just kind of walk from there. So I'll kick it to you. Why don't you just maybe I don't know give the first thoughts that are on your mind in that way, and you can kind of lead us where we're going to go. Okay, well, good morning, and uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Well, let's go ahead and take that broad view. You know, I usually like to jump right into Scripture right away, but we are going to save that for a moment just so we can think through some things, and we're going to take a high-level view, okay? It's kind of more like the 20,000, 30,000-foot view. Right. Um, But what is the deconstruction movement in Christianity? And then we'll, we'll kind of talk about that a bit. And then, then we'll move to, so what should we do? And okay. then we'll get into some scriptures that are key okay. for that. Okay. So what is the deconstruction movement in Christianity? So I think first, like I did a little bit of research on this, and, I, and I've, been, I've been reading a bunch of things about it and reading a lot of books about it. And I've, I've, I've read, over the last year or two, I've read books I didn't want to read because... They were about people that deconstructed mm-hmm. and, you know, the general thought about it is like, here, come with me. I'll lead you to the promised land. Right. And really it's a, it's a, uh, it's a vacant lot with mm-hmm. a bunch of garbage strewn mm-hmm. all around it. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's what happens a lot of times. But if you just take a step back and say, what is the deconstruction movement in Christianity? You're going to, this might sound a little shocking here, Connor, but you go to the emerging church movement that was like okay 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 so and we're talking you know 20 I'm with years you. ago okay? okay and you go so what what do they say about themselves yeah okay and they said about themselves this that they were a creative um, religious movement that wanted to have social footing or legitimacy and uh, th- okay they were this is a weird word for it, but entrepreneurial. Hmm. It's like they were out there just kind of like, let's blaze some new trails a little yeah. bit and try to create some things. Yeah. But what they were doing is actively disassociating from the roots of how they would put it, conservative evangelical Christianity. Right. And if I could just ask, what was their big beef with conservative evangelical Christianity? Ooh, okay, so that's a long, that's a long <laughs> I know, answer. I don't, yeah, I, I, and I'm not an expert on any of this, though I was around. And I can I just say a little sidebar. At my former church, we went to a pastors' conference down in San Diego, in the early 2000s. So it's about 20 years ago, and that was when the emergent church was getting a lot of footing in the mainstream of Christianity, but it was basically trying to push its way in. Yep. But it was getting allowed in by people that were probably well-meaning but wanted to be liked. 
And they wanted, like the people that were writing the books and what have you, they were like, oh, we need to have, we're talking like Rob Bell and other people like that yeah. that were being, yeah. that were, that he was a speaker at this <laughs> event. Really? You went to a, an event where he was a speaker? But he wasn't the Rob Bell that you would know yeah. of today. He was the he Rob was Bell. He like was the pastor of some church in Michigan. He was a right? pastor of a church in, in Michigan and he had written a book, uh, I think is when he wrote that book, Velvet Elvis, huh. which was a weird book, but he had his testimony in that book. He actually had his testimony in that book. Yeah. I remember when that book first came out, my friend of mine gave it to me. And I talked to my pastor at the time about it. And I'm like, what do you think? He goes, well, let's both just read it and see what we think. And it was it was kind of wacky, sure. It was wrote, written in prose kind of thing. But he did have his testimony in there. And it was a testimony of faith in Christ. Okay. And I remember Rob Bell did a, uh, did a uh, presentation about how the, uh, the, uh, the goat has left the building or something like that. It was about the scapegoat. Hmm. And he and it was a very dramatic sermon, but he was about Jesus bearing our sins. Hmm. Okay. So he hadn't gone off the deep end yet. Yeah. But the thing was the style of that of that pastor's conference, they had they had these this was crazy, but what they would do is there would be a speaker up front. On the back wall they'd be showing films of like Nazi Germany in, hmm. in the background. And then over on the side, they had like a American Indian, a Native American, excuse me, uh, dancing a dance, huh. literally. And then yeah. over here, they had popcorn popping. And it was this multi-sensory experience that like the look that's on your it, listeners, if you could see the look on Connor's face right now, you'd be like, wow. I feel like I just captured it because that's you baffling. captured that look. It was very baffling. That's baffling now on like all different kinds of levels. And we but. went away from that because they wanted us to say, look, up front is the preaching that's supposedly good, but pushed onto the back wall was the bad stuff. And don't go back and look at that. It was weird. And then I think they even had like communion stations set up. Weird. It was just bizarro. Wacky. Yeah. But they, what they tried to do is they tried to infiltrate this conference with, it was like the national pastors conference. We didn't go again. Okay. It was too bizarre. It was crazy. They were trying to push all the boundaries. And I think when you, you ask that question, what was their beef? I don't know. You know, part of it was probably people wanted to be novel. Yeah. And I think it was like, oh, this is tired and this is old and we need to freshen right. it up. The problem is they used really weird paint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, it was crazy. The the um, emerging church stuff was kind of before my time, but just mm-hmm. from looking at videos or reading stuff, it seems like they were a little antsy that conservative evangelical Christianity was so dogmatic about things. Is that true? Well, yes, and and again, in America, it's hard to, to separate politics because people get burrs in their sal- saddles about all sorts of things. I never would bring up politics in any sermons or any, any teaching I did, and people would still like say, oh, you're this, you know, like you're, you're a conservative, you know, blank, 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 and, and it would be kind of derisive like, oh, we know where you stand because just what we can just tell by the way you handle the scripture. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. By the way, I was reading an article this morning and I think Al Mohler brought this up and he had, you know, on the, the briefing on the daily briefing he has, um, which I think have almost as many listeners as we do. The <laughs> almost, daily briefing really? almost has as many listeners. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have three. No, anyway, no, I'm sure there's more than that. Um, but anyway, right now we're going viral uh, because right. I said Rob Bell. Right. Uh, no, seriously, what happened was, um, Al Mohler just today he was on his on his briefing was saying 
look, isn't it, isn't it crazy? Isn't it like mm, startling uh, that, uh, that the Gallup poll says that your religious beliefs, your, your biblical beliefs are going to shape how you view abortion? Huh. Oh, how, wow. how amazing is how that? How shocking yeah. is that, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, right. And I think yes. one, of the, one of the examples someone put up yesterday was, you know, an eagle in an egg. <clears throat> you cannot, like, um, you know, you know that in that movie, um, I'm getting really crazy today, I know, but in that movie, um, Nacho Libre. Uh, hey, bring it on. Okay. You're speaking my language. Remember how he climbs up and eats the eagle's egg? <laughs> I do. Okay. You can't do that. The nutrients. You can't do that. It's the nutrients. Uh, you cannot do that. Okay. Uh, an eagle egg is protected by law. You know why? There's an eagle inside. Mm. Sorry for yelling, people. And uh, and there's other, you know, like there's other animals that are so protected, but they will not protect a human being in the womb. Hmm. Isn't that startling that, Isn't that, amazing? That, that we've dropped this far but it's let's get back to that question so what was the beef with evangelical christianity from the emerging church movement it had to do primarily with and this is my gleanings the bible hmm. that they were against a literal grammatical historical hermeneutic that basically sought to 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 find to discern accurately authorial intent what did god mean when he said what he said and the Bible for them became a moving target. And if you take the Bible off the picture, off the map, now you can do whatever you want and agree with whatever you want and and accept whatever you want. And I think that opened the floodgates to now this deconstructing because they were really back then trying to deconstruct. I'm going to use the same word. Yeah. Deconstruct contemporary expressions of Christianity, if you want right, to put it that way. That's right. in their own words. Yeah. And I think it sounds to me like we're almost, in me saying that they weren't a fan of the dogmatism, and mm-hmm. in you saying they yep. didn't appreciate the authority of Scripture, we're mm-hmm. kind of approaching the same you know, point from different sides. And yes. the issue being, hey, a, a high view of Scripture with a consistent interpretation of Scripture leads you to certainty about important things. And they were, it seems like, again, I, this is before my time, but it seems like they were saying, we're not really so much of a fan of that certainty. And maybe they grew up in churches, and could be the case, where questions weren't really invited or encouraged, mm-hmm. and there started to be this thought of, hey, why can't people be wrestlers or, and doubters and kind of never land in this place of certainty, but at least go on the path or the journey and kind of have a, you know, a spiritual engagement with Scripture and try to figure these things out. Is that an accurate way of kind of describing the way that these people were thinking? I think in part, and again, we don't know what they're thinking except, yeah. except by what they say. Yeah. And so, sure, in the books that were put out, and I think there's a wide, wide range of where people were at. I think on one one end of the spectrum would be people that were just following the money trail. Hmm. Seriously. Yeah. This is whatever is the wave at the time, and there's a wave right now, whatever's popular. For all of our, you know, saying, hey, we want to be like Jesus and be consistent, evangelicalism has a kind of storied history with following the money. So, right. Yeah. And so, and so yeah. does the human race, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Right, but ha- plenty of people are happy to be uncertain and question things. And I think people have always questioned things. I mean, <laughs> this is what Satan did in the garden, right? It's like, hey, the serpent, hey, by the way, did God really say that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when people take that approach, and again, the dogmatism where maybe people weren't as open or they didn't, you know, it's funny, a kid can say, my parents never listened to me. And the parents could say, we were ready at every moment. Yeah, yeah. we. Yeah, but, okay, so right, sometimes it's right. it's in the eye of the beholder or the understanding of the person that's saying what they're saying. Right. But I'd say, sure, let's take whatever 
whatever hits we need to take as a church, as the church, well, the church wasn't this, the church wasn't that. The thing, the problem with that that I always run into is at every point along at least my Christian life and my Christian journey and my Christian yep. faith yep. is that I have seen it happen over and over again where the Bible gets questioned and the church gets bashed. Hmm. And it's like, it's that's just, that's the straw man argument. Yep. It's easy to find out where the church is weak. It's filled with sinful people. Right. Amen. And so we're going to always need to admit and be repentant and want to reconcile with people and all of that. But when the argument is, no, this is the way it always will be hmm. and doesn't leave any room for the grace of God, we, got, we have issues. So there's plenty of time, you know, reformed and always reforming. We always want to be right. learning and growing and changing, but never budging from the authority of Scripture. Yep. Never budging. Yep. The Old and New Testament, the, thir- the, 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 uh, the, the books of the Old and New Testament, the 66 books, the inspired, inerrant, infallible, authoritative, conscience-binding, perfect, eternal Word of God hmm. is the only measurement. What, and, else, and, what else do we right, have? There's no yeah. other measurement of truth. Yeah, what else do we have? Right, and so everything else, people, false teachers are either going to go against it and, and reject it, or they're going to add to it, hmm. right? And I think at the, at the root what was being said to people back in the day, back in the early 2000s, was you're not believing Scripture. And, and it, that was the right call. Hmm. They were wanting Scripture to be a moving target, which is why, and again, some people have made grand statements like farewell Rob Bell, right? right. Or go home to Beth Moore. Right. I don't think that either either John Piper's or John MacArthur's uh, statements were were perfect. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. done it that way. Mm-hmm. But to say, but what if a John Piper said, Rob Bell, I have some deep, deep concerns with where you are theologically and you're influencing a lot of people in the wrong direction. Yep. That would have been a great thing to say. Absolutely. John MacArthur could have said the same thing to, to about to or about um, Beth right. Moore. I have right. some deep, deep concerns about where you're going theologically and how you're swaying a lot of people. And that would have been the right thing that to say. That would have been the right thing to say. Now, the fact that they they decided to make sound bites, go home or farewell Rob Bell, that created a firestorm. And the problem with the backwash on that, or, you know, the, what do you call it? You know, the, the flood that came as a result, it was now all about let's condemn someone for saying the wrong, the right thing in the wrong way. Or there's plenty of people that just didn't agree with them. And they're like, oh, they're so wrong. They're so hateful. Just like today. Yep. Just like today, even on the abortion issue where it's like, People are so passionate about their own point of view. And there are people that are strongly saying, wow, if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, this will be the end of civilization as we know it because mm-hmm. we will not have our autonomy. And that means they, they hate people and they, they're this and they're that. And it's like, wow, all because people want to save lives. And then they go into the, well, it should be from the womb to the tomb. Absolutely. Yes. We, we, we should be... Um, we should be loving people when they're in the womb, but also at the oldest age. Yeah. And I don't think any true Bible-believing Christian is going to deny that. Right. No, but that's the pressing issue of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having a few thoughts as you were talking. One, just even anecdotally, we've seen at Grace what so many churches have experienced, which is people who are really frustrated with the church and have this and that problem, and they're mm-hmm. all up in arms, and they hate the way that we teach the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then this cool thing happens. They get saved. And they come back and they're like, wait, it's different now. And we've had people actually come to different people who teach at Grace saying, are you doing something different? And then they almost almost recognize, you know, 
I think maybe I'm just a believer now and that, you know, and then they have this hunger for the word and, mm-hmm. and an appreciation of the church, even in spite of all of its flaws. Yeah. Anyways, that was just a, a side note, but I wanted to, I wanted to push us forward to try to give people what we promise. We've kind of worked our way forward from the emerging church. So how do you see kind of in terms of the current landscape with all of the explosion of people who are reconstructing, deconstructing, leaving the faith, mm-hmm. you know, in the last few years, where do you kind of see the current climate in terms of deconstruction in Christianity? Currently very alarming. If we were, you know, tornado chasers, or storm chasers, we would be saying, hey, don't get too close to that, okay? <laughs> I think, first of all, I want to say this to to our listeners is that my primary concern as a pastor, elder, preacher, teacher in a local church is to protect the flock that God has entrusted to my care along with my fellow elders. We're a plurality of elders. We shepherd the flock together. And my primary concern is to protect the flock from from false teaching and from going down paths that are not biblically accurate. And so, you know, in Titus 1.9, it talks about how we, an elder must hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught and instruct in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict we're always afraid and we shouldn't be of refuting those who contradict Mm -hmm. and i think we get gun shy because we're going to be called hateful or or what have you so i think let me just say the current climate is i think that every pastor elder every church leader uh, that's at a good biblical church should be just focused on the basics with their congregation you know do your calling do the Mm -hmm. calling that god has put on your life Mm -hmm. i think the current climate is 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 very stormy it's storm tossed it's it's very wavy it's it's very i was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and was he was sharing that there were some people he knows very close that are stirred up about things all the time why can't the church do this why can't grace church do it this way or that way yeah and you know he was able to admit you know if they would just focus on christ and love christ Hmm. they wouldn't see they wouldn't be so stirred up about what everyone's doing wrong yeah so I think Russell Moore, by the way, uh, did, did an article in February, and then John Bloom with Desiring God did one the next week in February, just this year, about deconstructionism. I think those are helpful articles. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem, and, and I'm just going to say this to answer your question, the climate. Russell Moore put it this way. He says, with all this talk of de- deconstructionism these days, one problem is that very few people mean precisely the same thing when they use that word. Probably so, true. Yeah. Probably true. Sure. Yeah. So whatever hot button word there is, there's going to be 50 flavors of that, right? Yep. 50 yep. shades. So <clears throat> for some people, deconstruction means, and this is what Russell said, losing their faith altogether, okay? Becoming atheists, agnostics, or spiritual but not religious nuns, mm-hmm. N-O-N-E-S. Mm-hmm. For others, deconstruction means still believing in Jesus but struggling with how religious institutions have failed and there you have it right yep how we've been failed right right and i get it it happens but it's at the end of the day everyone's got to own their own choices john bloom put it this way he says what evangelicals mean by deconstruction and he says um that it's a term that's increasingly being used over the past decade but it's a confusing term he said the same thing there is no single or simple definition for deconstruction yep it has different meanings in different contexts so the hot button word could it's a it's a it's just it depends on where you're at. It's right. like an accent, right? You know, in California or Tennessee or Texas or yep. New England, it's yep. like people talk with a different accent, and so it's not surprising a lot of people are like, 
what does it even mean? Right. And, uh, you know, Bloom traces it back to the 1960s. Um, French philosopher, uh, Dorada. And anyway, there's all these assumptions that are, that are not biblical about mm. humans that people have adopted. And I would still take it all the way back to uh, the garden mm-hmm. and questioning God. Yeah. I really would. Yep, absolutely. I think at the least we could say the deconstruction is some, it's, it's some kind of questioning the, the foundations of your faith and often with an edge of maybe distrust in the, the seen authority structure of the church. Mm-hmm. Is that is that probably is that probably true for most people? I like it's that. this kind of it's yeah. this kind of questioning of like, okay, all these things that I've believed, I'm now not so sure about. And I'm gonna kinda, you know, entertain the other side of the argument and think about these things. Do I really believe that the you know the God of the Bible really is the true God? Do I really believe that Jesus is the only way to be, you know, saved and brought into right relationship with God? Do mm-hmm. I believe that the Bible is the word of God? Starting to question these things. And then often with maybe this other layer of kind of a mistrust in or a disillusionment with mm-hmm. the kind of church context that that person has grown up in. That seems to be a pattern that holds for a lot of people, at least. I agree. Um, I agree. I think, look, let me, let me jump in. I, I think I, I would probably classify it this way. They question, okay, at the root, they, they start to question God's character. Right. And, and his word, as he's revealed himself in the word, his character as he's revealed himself in the world, in the word, in the world and the word, but specifically in the world, in the word, excuse me, I keep saying world, uh, yeah. questioning God's character and as he's revealed himself in the word. Right. Okay. Right. The written word of God. Yep. And what happens, you know, this happened to a friend of mine, you know, almost 10 years ago now, I think it's been 10 years, maybe eight years, where he started questioning God's goodness. And going down a long road mm-hmm. of giving up on the faith. So I think you're right. I think, and mm-hmm. it's like this questioning God's character and in his revealed word, but also this distrust or disillusionment in the people who brought that to me. Yes. Okay. Yep. I think that's really true. The messenger. So the message, so they, they, they have issue with the message and they have is, issue with the messenger. Right. I think that's a really hopeful summary. Yeah. Well, primarily, they, they take issue with God himself. Right. Cause, and I think even within, so leaving the messenger side out of it, the message, what does God's word say? There, I think a lot of people maybe have been led into this conversation, even from like a scientific angle or different mm-hmm. kind of, you know, having mm-hmm. kind of some doubts on those levels. But then it ultimately does come down to this question about, you know, God himself and his character. I totally agree. And if you go all the way down this road, you end up in the position of saying the God of the Bible is a moral monster, you know, and how could I ever believe in a God like that? Right. Um, The very same passage that a believer looks at and says, wow, I praise God for his holiness, his righteousness, even his grace. Mm -hmm. An unbeliever looks at, or the person who's walked down this road, who's now not not a believer, they say, oh man, I look at that same passage and I just see a fiend. Um, So yeah, Mm -hmm. go, go ahead. You want to jump in on that? Well, sure, I will. Okay. Well, let me um, let me just say this. I think, and I, I, we're going to probably need to. I know. <laughs> we'll we'll need to finish in a few moments, but I think yeah. that there's been a good discussion. I think we're kind of just rambling, but I think that's a good ramble. Uh, we're kind of walking through the countryside here and kind of seeing what we see, right? Where there's you can do a lot of this by observation and go, well, here's what I'm seeing, right? And you don't know people's hearts, but I just want to mention something else about because this is this is where this stuff trickles down. You think of the message and the messenger, but the message where they're they're saying God really isn't good and God doesn't really mean what He says He means, and I don't really want that. 
That's what people say. And what happens is, like I was reading an article this morning and you know, I, I emailed it to myself. I do this often where I'll, I wanna send it to someone else and I email it to myself first. And I wrote this, it's a sickening article about gender affirming care. Hmm. And you go, wait, where'd this come from? We're talking about deconstructionism. Yeah. Well, this is from the Scientific American, okay? Scientific American. So you, you read that and you're like, ooh, must be good, right? <laughs> Sounds so uh, serious. Here's what it says, sex and gender. What the science on gender-affirming care for transgender kids really shows. Then the subtitle, laws that ban gender-affirming treatment ignore the wealth of research demonstrating its benefit for trans people's health. And of course, who do they quote through the whole time? A trans person that wants to be right. Hmm. And the reason I bring this up is because plenty of people that are deconstructing this, that, and the other, and they're saying, I don't believe the Bible anymore, and I don't believe the messenger that gave me the Bible, what they're doing is now accepting things like this and saying, yeah, this makes total sense. Follow the science. Right. Well, you read an article like this, and it's it's not even maddening. It's saddening. Hmm. You're like, it's sickening. It's like, wow. And all they, they do, if you think of the article that a Christian would write, a, a Bible-believing, clear-thinking Christian would write about this topic, this is the exact opposite of it. And so just where any, but you have to keep telling yourself as you're reading this, this is wrong. Wait, because right. they write it as if it's good. Right. And I think that's the whole thing. It's like calling bad good and good bad. That's one of the things, blurring the lines. Yeah. What no, do you I, think? What I do you just think th- about that? I, I think as you're reading that first line from the article, you know, gender gender care or whatever mm-hmm. the, the language right. is, gender care is gender good. There's care. a wealth of studies that show that gender care, gender affirming care is good for trans kids. And there is a huge assumption smuggled into that that most people would read right past but the assumption is that to be somebody who's expressing themselves as a trans person right. is actually the path towards their flourishing that's a huge assumption now it's assumption that the world has all agreed on already but a, a believer might say hey l- let's just say there's a world where there's a you know I don't even know what a good example, you know, would be in this situation but right. there's a pet, you know, place where I can drop my pet off and you know if you assume that it's good for a dog to, you know, act like a like a different animal, well, mm-hmm. it would help that dog to do that if you had care that led in that direction. But maybe that's not actually what's best for the dog. And I mean, nothing demeaning by that at all. I, no, I'm purely by illustration. Sure. But just to say the point, is that target that you're walking towards with somebody who's identifying as, as trans, is that the path towards that person really flourishing? The society has said yes. But we as believers would say, hey, we actually, we reject that premise. So Right. And I think we, we're, we're deep in the weeds now with, you know, even we're talking about deconstructionism and now we're talking about what is, you know, gender affirming care. But here's the part. Here's the point I wanted to bring out. They're, what, we all want to care. We all want to care for people. I want to care for someone who's, who's confused, but I want to give them the truth. But for them, the quote-unquote gender-affirming care is giving them drugs. Hmm. Giving them drugs so that they now see what they want to see. And they were talking about how now here's this a male. Uh, he was born a man. He wanted to be a woman. But he, was, he would hide his body from his wife. And then he started taking these drugs. Now he looks at joy with his body, at his body that's becoming a woman's body a woman's body right. oh look excuse me it's starting to look like a woman's body with, yeah you know what i'm saying right so but i look at all that and i'm like that is where you get 
when you start saying, let's tear down the foundations. Like there's no, everything's a moving target. There is no bullseye of absolute truth. That takes us back to the enlightenment, the enlightenment era that basically said, man by unaided human reason can work his way to God. Yep. And it takes you back to the garden. Right. Says, Did God really say that? Right. So that's why I say this is all, this all intersects. Totally. No, it really yeah. does. I have maybe just two thoughts and then I'm going to push it back to you and you can wrap us up. Is that okay? Yeah. Cause we knew need to get into the word. We promised that. We did. Okay. And so we I'll need the answers. you finish us off in the word, but I just, I was going to mention just two things first. One, just as we're talking about this article and somebody who's in that confused situation, I know we're preaching in the choir, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. most people who are listening to the podcast, but if somebody's if someone ends up listening to this and whoever you are, you know, if you if you think we're completely out to lunch on this, I just feel like one of us needs to say if you're in if you're in the middle of that right now or if you know somebody who is, we we love you, we love these people, Jesus loves these people. The hope of the gospel is that there is an identity for for every sinner that can rescue them out of that sin being being Somewhere in, you know, a, a situation with gender where you're not, you know, cisgender, heterosexual, whatever, like that doesn't put you in some unique category of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not in a different camp needing a different. We all are horrible sinners in need of the same rescue that only comes through Jesus. And there's real joy in that rescue, you know, that can pull someone out of that identity and lifestyle just as easily as it can pull another person who's a rebel against God out of their lifestyle. So. I just wanted to say that, but the, the second thing I wanted to say was just regarding kind of the intersection of deconstructionism with all of this. Well, and this is probably, I can just kind of tee this up for a future conversation, but basically my, my thought is the kids today and all these people who are growing up, going through high school and college, they are exposed to such an overwhelmingly strong set of narratives about identity through social media and at school and with friends and all of that. And if the church is going to help people, you know, have a robust trust in Jesus that's not going to be shaken by I go off to college campus and suddenly I'm deconstructing my faith, I think we need to help people see the brokenness, kind of like I was trying to just point out in the article, the brokenness of some of those those narratives for identity and present Jesus as the one who gives real joy in a true identity that's actually rich and meaningful and true. Um yeah, I don't know. Someone made a point recently. I, I, we may have talked about this on the podcast, but uh, you know, if we were discipling people now with the the kind of catechisms and, and summaries of faith that came during the Reformation, those things are wonderful encapsulations of, of Christian truth. But we'd be mostly teaching people not to be Catholic, and for most people today, they're not trying. They're the Catholic is not the other option. You know, the other option is secular and buying into all different like ideologies mm-hmm. that the world holds out. So, yeah. sorry, that was a little long-winded, but those no, two things No, it was very helpful, very helpful to hear. <clears throat> so, so as we wrap this up, I would just say this, you know, you can ask the question, what should we do like today? What can we do today? Okay. And I think we come back to truth and love, like we were talking to men of the word on Friday morning, balance truth and love. Mm-hmm. There's some things that need to come out of our mouth. There's some things that don't need to come out of our mouth. And there's ways we can say things. You know, there's been people that have gotten angry uh, at me because of what we have said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't get angry at you. They got angry at me for what we said together, Connor. What's I'm up happy. Thanks for standing in front of me and taking yeah, that you know, bullet. I got my big boy pants on today. <laughs> I try to put them on every day, but you know how it goes. Um, but seriously, what should we do? I would say this. Like, listener, if you're getting riled up and angry, ask yourself the question, 
Why might that be? And your, your issue is probably not with me or Connor personally, okay? Could be. We might be annoying, okay? That's fine. Hmm. Um, but it could be that your focus is not on Christ. Hmm. Like, we have to camp out on Christ yep. and be consistent with Scripture. It's not up for grabs. And I love how you said it, Connor, but help people see Jesus who heals the broken. Mm-hmm. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, help people see Jesus who heals the broken, but also confess our sins. Confess not other people's sins, but our own. Mm-hmm. And that knowing that we cannot condone or celebrate sin, that we are constrained by Scripture to tell consistently tell the truth. And I think that's where I would land today. Let's start with 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, all the cravings that cause people to wander from the faith and pierce themselves with many a pang. As for you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the idea is that we must cling to God who is sovereign, to Christ who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and honor him. And to do that, we will of necessity need to reject lies. And many lies are being pushed upon people yeah. today. There will come a time, as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, that would be times of great difficulty. People will hate God and, and hate good. Mm-hmm. And they will, as chapter 4 says, collect for themselves teachers that will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. He says, but no, you, you, you fulfill your ministry. You be sober-minded. You endure suffering. Do the work even of an evangelist because with many people, they have shown themselves to not be camped on Christ and rooted in Christ. And even what Paul told the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, after my departure, savage wolves will come in from among your own selves, not sparing the flock to draw away the disciples after them. He's like, no, don't do that. Don't let that happen. What did he say? He said, be on the alert. This is Acts 20 verse 31 that for three, remember, For three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. It takes us right back to who God is and what he has said in his word. Mm -hmm. His word is fixed. His character is is clear, uh, and we must must, uh, cling uh, to, to Christ and Scripture. Amen. Super, super helpful, Mike. Thanks for kind of bringing us to the word in the end there. Um, we're going to we're gonna land the plane. Listeners, thanks so much for being with us. There's obviously so much more to get to. I feel like we just barely scratched the surface in all our wanderings today. But if you stuck with us through all that, thank you. 
Next time, we'll probably get into a more conversation about exvangelicalism. We didn't really touch that, so there's lots more to come. But until next week, we love you. We pray for you. We uh, hope that you are encouraged even hearing this as you follow the Lord today. And uh, we hope you have a great day. God bless you.